So first of all, um, do you just want to tell us about your role on the show, Daniel, and what an executive producer's role is on this? Sure. So I've worked on the last two series of the show, and I'm also exec producing the new series, which we just started production on. Um, and I guess as executive producer, I am ultimately responsible for the welfare of the children. Most importantly, that kind of goes at the heart of everything we do. Um, so overall responsibility for sort of for welfare, for legal and kind of compliance, but also editorially, uh, I work with my series producer, my producer directors, and of course the Channel Four. Uh, to work out what we're going to put on screen. So you're the one with the silk star. <laughs> People have called me Sienna. <laughs> <laughs> we love Sienna. <laughs> and how about you, Amy? What's your role? So I'm the senior producer. Um, I've actually been I've been on it since the pilot, so from the very beginning. Um, so part of my role, well, the biggest part of my role is heading up the family liaison team, which um, do the casting. Uh, and we also, we sort of, um, I suppose, handhold the families all the way through, so the whole casting period, through uh, the filming over the summer and then all through the edit as well. But the other part of my job is that I'm also the floor producer on the rig, so I'm sort of the connection, I suppose, between the gallery and the teachers on the floor. So um, we've had five-year-olds. Uh, we've had, what other age groups have we had? Four, Four five, six, six, yeah. We did two partial sixes six. back in season one, yeah. So how it all started with four-year-olds. Why four-year-olds and how did it all start? So the idea originally came from our development team, our in-house development team at RDF Television. Um, and the team were brainstorming. They were thinking about where else could we take the rig. I don't know, is, do you think everybody's aware of what the rig is? I'll kind of use that sort of language. Uh, uh, but I, oh, I think we'd all be interested to find out how you use the rig and what a rig is, yeah. So, um, so for Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds, we used fixed cameras within the nursery. So no camera operators, no handheld cameras, um, other than in the interview room, we have a camera operator with a tripod. So we have 24 hothead cameras based around the nursery and the playground, and we operate those remotely by gallery. So the nursery itself is run by the teachers. It feels and is, to all intents and purposes, a real nursery for the children. Um, so that means there's no like cameraman around the nursery. Yeah. It, it is as we see it, basically. Absolutely. Um, so we were thinking, where else can we take the rig? It had worked particularly well in 24 hours in an A&E and one born every minute in those kind of hospital shows. Uh, and in educating, uh, and we thought about the nursery, and then we thought, how can we add an extra layer of value to it? How can it be more than just an observational documentary series? And we started to think, what can you tell about children's development by looking at children in the nursery? Uh, so we started talking to two of the scientists who are still with us to this day, Professor Paul Howard-Jones and Dr. Sam Wass, um, and they told us that four is a particularly pivotal age in children's de de development. Um, for two reasons. One, in terms of neuroscience, there's a lot going on in the head, in the, in the brain at that time. Children are learning empathy for the very first time, something called theory of mind. Um, and secondly, children, at least in England, it's slightly different in Scotland, but children at age four are leaving home for the first time and going into a nursery, going into reception, and that changes their understanding of the world completely. They're no longer just learning from family, they're learning from teachers, and most importantly, their peers. So it's a particularly crucial age in sort of children's development around sort of four and five. Um, so we started pitching the idea to a uh, commissioning editor and specialist bachelor called Sarah Ramsden, who's uh, recently left and gone to love, actually. Um, and she was fascinated by that combination of observational documentary character-led uh, films, but underpinned by a real layer of science and insight. Um, 
we were commissioned to, well, we were asked to make a proof of concept, first of all, 20 minutes sort of taste to take, uh, which you worked on. Uh, and then we eventually won a single commission, so a, a 47 minute sort of channel for hour. Um, but even at that point, once we delivered that and we were very pleased with it, Channel 4, right up to sort of the, the, the highest levels of Channel 4, they didn't know whether to put it on, they didn't know whether it was any good, we thought it was, they weren't sure. Um, they didn't know whether anybody would watch it, so there was a big, uh, long process, three, four months, where we just didn't know whether it was going to go out, and um, thankfully it did in the end. And so that might must a few be quite hard, later. that must be quite hard thinking, being really proud of something that you created, all that hard work and the pilot that you've done, um, and sort of waiting for it to go on. So what happened when it went out? Uh, it is very hard, I think. I mean, you're a programme maker as well, I'm sure lots of people here are. It's, it's incredibly hard when you know that you've got something good. Um, and many people at the broadcaster sort of believe that as well, but for whatever reason there are internal conversations about what other programmes around children they've got waiting to go out. Um, but thankfully it went out, I think it was one of their highest rating singles of that year, I think the highest rating single of that year, um, and they realised the, the charm of the format, the appeal of the format, and we were commissioned to make a six part series, uh, and we have now, we're now making season four of it, so uh, four years later we're still going strong. Which is great, so it's basically the audience saying, we enjoy this, this is good, we're, we're, thankfully, we yes. want it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Um, uh, and we should trust the audience more, I think. We should put programmes out there and see what they make of them. Yeah. So, um, where did you get Sienna for? You did, you're involved with the casting, aren't you? And where do you find all these wonderful four, five and six-year-olds? So, I'd say this is actually one of the areas that's probably changed most drastically from kind of the pilot to now. So back then, I mean, we literally sort of traipsed the streets and we went out and found them one by one. And it was, you know, we had a handful of applications. Um, I remember hitting, you know, like soft plays, museums and things like that. And people had to learn to, you know, they had to know that they could trust us. So that was a big part of it. And so face to face really worked. Um, now, so we're now making, as you're saying, series four. And currently, I think after about five or six weeks of having applications open, we've got about five and a half thousand applications. So it's now just, a, it has its own challenges, but in a totally different way. So the way we find them is, um, I would say our biggest help has been schools. So we um, contact, we have a massive database now of schools that we contact, and they're really supportive. So they put out our information to all their parents, and I would say we get probably our highest proportion through schools. Um, and it's a really good, you know, it's a great way of, of finding children from all sorts of backgrounds, from all sorts of areas. It's a really good leveller going via schools. Um, and the other ways we find people is through social media, so um, parent groups and things like that on social media, organisations, charities, clubs, anyone that works with children of that sort of age or, you know, childbearing age, I suppose, <laughs> we, we, we contact them. And do you know, do you know on the outset, the sort of child you're looking for? Have you got like a list of this is the kind of child we want or is it a case of meeting them and deciding? Yeah, I think meet, meeting them is a huge part of it. I mean, so I, I suppose the, the next stage actually is, you know, to bring it down, we bring it down to about, we meet about, about 500 in person and actually that's really the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, until then, we parents send in videos and that really helps, but until we actually meet them, Actually, you know, we know that we want, you know, a really good mix of backgrounds. We know we want people with lots of different experiences from 
um, you know, children that have grown up in towns and in the country and single children and children that are, you know, blended families. We know we want a mix of that, but really until you meet them, then suddenly you go, oh my goodness, I never thought we'd meet a child like that. And they really surprise you and you go, okay, well, that's what we're doing this year then. So I think actually meeting them, some just really leap out of you and can be so engaging, can't they? I think by meeting them as well, I mean, ultimately we're looking for children who will enjoy the experience. Mm. And that's the point. Uh, uh, auditions are essentially like children's parties. and We try to replicate the sorts of experiences that they're going to have at the nursery. We play games, um, we have circle time, they interact with the other children. And I think we get a real sense then of who are the children who are really going to ex enjoy the experience. And it looks like you're matchmakers as well. <laughs> I know. It, it's amazing the number of re relationships that have started. So Alfie and Emily from Alfie Series Emily. 1, three yeah. years later, are still They're, they're still pen pals. I think Emily's, you know, they're just on like two different sides of the country, but they've been writing together for years. It's really cute. That was, yeah, Series 1. They were the ones with the rolling disease, for anyone that's been watching since then. It's a roll around. Yeah, um, so maybe in 15 years' time, you know, get the hat. There you go. <laughs> we live in hope. Yeah, like, like Vinny, um, for anyone who's seen this series, Vinny and Harper, like their mums are like best friends now. So again, they're in different parts of the country. They see each other all the time. So that's brilliant. And how important are the parents within that? Because obviously they've got to be hugely on side um, and be, uh, be enthusiastic about the process. Yes, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, we are, we're interested in the children. Um, more than we are in the in, in the parents, so we're not particularly casting or looking for for parents. We want parents who are on side. Uh, we want parents who are enthusiastic. We are, I guess, on our guard slightly about parents who are too enthusiastic. We need their consent. We want them to sort of to be behind it. But um, we also look for for parents who perhaps are a little bit too kind of enthusiastic. So, but yes, it's it's absolutely crucial that they understand the program. They understand the experience that um, their child is going to be having. They're fully aware of um, you know, what's going to happen when the programme goes out. Um, and we have, we can go on and talk about it, but sort of a big process to ensure that they really do understand what going on television is all about. Well, I was going to ask that actually next, is what support mechanism is there in process for, for the children and the parents? Um, so uh, the welfare of the children is absolutely kind of at the heart of everything we do. Every decision that we make from um, the very earliest days of sort of casting, thinking about tasks and activities, through to what we film on the rig, uh, and then in, in sort of that decision-making and fine-tuning in the edit, that goes through the prism of um, welfare of the child. Um, so the first thing that we do once we've decided to offer a place to a child is we send out uh, an independent psychologist who's worked with us from the very start as well to talk to parents, uh, to meet the child, to explain what the programme is to, um, to the child in child-friendly language, and to really understand, to ensure that kind of families sort of understand uh, what signing up to the programme means and what going on television means. I think generally for most people, going on television is a really positive experience, or at least not a negative experience. It's something that they enjoy, it's an adventure, it's something that they look back on and are pleased to have taken part on. But of course, Occasionally, there is sort of, you know, negative feedback on social media or something like that. We just want to ensure that, that parents and families are going into it with that, their eyes absolutely sort of open. Um, our psychologist will sort of come back and occasionally he will say, you know, perhaps, you know, one in 20 children, he'll say, I'm not sure that this is quite right for this family at the moment. Um, it might be because of something that's going on at school or something that's go kind of going on in the child's sort of home life. 
Um, and we always absolutely sort of respect that decision. Or sometimes he'll say, I think this would be a really good experience for them, but there are a couple of additional safeguards that I'd sort of like to put in place. Um, throughout filming, we have obviously, uh, you know, our, our leading world-class kind of psychologists and academics. Uh, we have two independent chaperones who are there to look after all the children. The teachers are independent to us and run the classroom. Um, and of course, we are there as well and um, are there to, to ensure, first and foremost, the children are having a, having a good time overall in the week. Uh, and that runs all the way through to the edit as well. So talking about the filming of it, how long would an episode like that take to film? So uh, we film, it's a, it's a week per episode, we film Monday to Friday. Um, the days are, um, they vary slightly for four and five year olds. Um, obviously we can't film quite as long with four year olds, but they sort of run like the school day, I'd say. So there's, so um, all the children are licensed by local councils uh, and with four year olds we can film for six hours a day, five okay. hours a day, sorry. Um, and for five year olds, slightly longer, up to eight hours a day, but we tend to do six because they also get tired. Um, and that five hours with the four-year-olds is actually a really short filming day, particularly because four-year-olds weep quite a lot of the time, it turns out. It's amazing how many times we'll have a child set up. Have you been to the toilet, Amy? Do you need to go to the toilet? And as soon as we're there ready to go, One it's toilet goes, time. The and then they goes, all go. And then you all Never at the same stop. time. Always just once the other comes back. So talking about going to the loo, I want to know, how on earth do you manage with the mics, with the kids? <laughs> well, they wear, um, okay, so they wear uh, these sort of waistbands, yeah. and they're sort of tucked into there, so actually it does give them quite free access, you know, for toileting, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but they so don't uh, get broken. How many have been broken? How many mics? I don't think we've broken any. Oh, wow. I, don't I, think I, I can't think of any. I can't think of any. <laughs> so now they've even gone yeah. down the toilet, I'd say probably more <laughs> scientist ones have probably gone down the toilet. <laughs> Sam West. Sam West. Yeah. So how much preparation do you have to do um, before you do the filming? And, and how, I presume you work with the experts to come up with those different tasks um, because they're teaching us something. Yeah, it's, it's a very collaborative process. So we start uh, normally for, we, we film over the summer for obvious reasons because it's the summer holidays, we have access to a, a location and the children. Uh, we normally start production in sort of around March, beginning of April, and we're really on the phone to the scientists from day one, kind of pestering them, um, saying, what are we going to do this year, and please help us. Um, so they help in two key ways. So I guess themes is sort of the first one. In the early episodes, the theme was four-year-olds or five-year-olds or six-year-olds, but as we've kind of gone on, we've tried to be sort of more forensic about pieces of science that we want to explore. So right and wrong, how children learn that is one example. Um, this year we're hoping to look at technology. This is the first generation of sort of true digital natives. What does that do to a four-year-old to be kind of growing up in a world of tablets and um, camera phones and all those sorts of things? So the scientists are crucial in terms of helping us work those out and find out what the, um, what the, what the science, what the research says behind that. And then we're constantly talking to them about sort of tasks. How do we explore those sorts of things? We have a tasks producer um, who will come up with sort of a lot of stuff, but then it gets refined by the scientists, and we just bounce ideas back and forth a lot. And why, why do you think the show is as, as successful as it is? I mean, you can answer this as well. I mean, for me, because it's, it's absolutely charming, it's absolutely magical, and actually I think we learn so much about ourselves as adults from watching those children. Often I think we learn to be better versions of ourselves as adults from watching those children. 
I think, I mean, certainly lots of parents say to me, you know, the reason they apply is because, you know, they send their children off to nursery or off to school each morning and they come back and if they're anything like, my son, I say, how was your day? All oh, fine. And I think, did you do anything? <laughs> nope. Did you have for lunch? Don't know. And that's it. And I think for so, you know, for that's what's so wonderful about it is actually you just do see this sort of, this little world that they have with their little friends and all their kind of roller coasters that they go through, mm. you know, just mornings play, you know, that we just don't ever, we don't ever get to see. But they're the kind of heroes of the piece, aren't they? That it amazes me, um, their intelligence and their conversation and their wit and, and you're thinking they're fine, um, which is amazing. I think it's interesting as well, most shows about children tend to be parenting shows, you know, it's Super Nanny, it's Three Day Nanny, it's other things with Nanny in the title, and whilst there are probably some parenting tips and take out in there, I don't view it, you know, I don't have kids, I've never watched it sort of as a parenting show, and I think when you look at the demographic split actually, without being boring and geeky about it, it's not just watched by mums and dads, it's kind of got one of the highest teenage uh, sets of viewing figures for Channel 4 shows. It's something that really is kind of universal. I think it's because, yeah, I think that's part of its, its success. It's about children and that magical age, but it's not about parenting. It's about, look at how wonderful they are. Okay, so we've talked, um, we've talked a lot about the casting. We've talked um, a bit about the building. Um, we've got a few minutes. Does anyone have any questions? Um, I'm just interested in if a child comes on board and is particularly mean in the nursery setting and the portrayal of that, because obviously that would get a bit of um, possible bad feedback online. How do you deal with that? We, we're careful with the portrayal of any individual child. I mean, we obviously want to um, give an honest portrait of sort of what's happened across the week, but our primary concern is duty of care to the 10 children who are taking part. Um, I think it's absolutely normal, all of us will have experienced as kids ourselves or you know, as mums and dads of kids that occasionally people will have bad days at nurseries and there are relationships where there will be sort of a bit of friction. Um, and so we, we will show that, um, but every scene that we cut, we think very carefully about. We talk to mum and dad quite a lot and they see the programmes before they go out and we do listen very carefully if they have any concerns. What's great actually is sort of over the years, we've never had any significant concerns. Um, and I think that's because we talked to mum and dad all the way through as well. Um, our independent psychologist looks at the show as well and will sort of feed back as well, of course, as our sort of, as our experts. So we're, we're very careful about the portrayal of our children and we think very carefully about it. The truth is, you know, in my experience, I haven't worked on it as long as yours, I don't think we've ever had a really mean child anyway. I mean, all of all of them, like all of us, have their moments, but by and large, they're lovely. Yeah, they are, and I think everything that you see is is what you see in any school and nursery or at home. You know, all is within the sort of I suppose a framework of uh, very normal behaviour. By and large. Yeah, I I mean I've never sat there in the edit over two seasons now and thought oh my God, we can't cut this child. We, you know, we can't edit this child because they're too mean. Because some of them have odd moments, mm. but you know, there is always, you know, that's always part of a bigger kind of kaleidoscope of behavior. And it's very easy, very easy to show their humor and their insight and their warmth um, as well. So thankfully we haven't had that problem yet. Good, thank you. Um, any other questions or one over there? Do you think that by having the expertise, would it be any different, or is it just 
Okay, so for those who didn't hear, for the viewer, what does having the experts, the on-screen experts, add to the show? I, for me, I think it would still be a really, it would be interesting to hear what you think as well, but for me, I think it would be a really interesting show without the, um, without the experts. The most magical moments, of course, come from the children themselves and um, when, they, you know, when we have that very sort of privileged access to their lives. Um, but I've, you know, I've learned a lot um, from that show, from sort of learning about sort of leadership and right and wrong and morality and episodic memory and the fact that the brain doesn't have a single moral center. So just from a single show, I can think of it, you know, off the top of my head, a, 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 a real handful of stuff that I've learned. And across the series, I think we've really, um, uh, we've grown the public understanding of sort of child psychology, developmental psychology. Originally, when we f were first commissioned, we did so with some funding from the Wellcome Foundation, actually, and that's part of their remit, as, as some people might know, to broaden the public understanding of science. And, and I think we've done that, and I think the show without that would be, uh, would be weaker, actually. I think it's just, why just have the old doc stuff when you can have the specialist factual insights? Well, w what do you think, I guess? Okay. So our show is we've got two experts as well, and just to kind of help inform the audience, because I was just wondering what your thoughts were, like you've worked with the professionals on the pitch, and tomorrow, so it's just kind of grabbing all the tips we can. Do you want to talk about the donor? <laughs> I can talk about the donor, or do you want to talk no, about it? No, no, I've heard of it. Yeah. Should we write this back? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You might want to wait and see how valuable it was. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I go to lots of pitches and Channel 4 talks about, people from Channel 4 talked about the donut. Has anyone else here talked, heard about the donut in production terms? You've heard about the donut. Okay. So the donut, you can say if I've explained this right. The donut is basically a way of programming. So what it is, is there's the bit in the middle. So the bit in the middle is what we call the precinct. So that's, in this case, is the, the, the classroom, it's the nursery. Um, and then the outside bit of the donut are the experts. So they're the people who are comment commenting on what's going on inside the, the donut. So the good thing is, it's like two different stories going on. So you've got this one story, you've got the action um, and what's happening there. And then you've got the experts who can give you a, a different layer to it. So the, and it always means as well, as far as editing is concerned, you've got something to cut to, something to comment on, something extra to watch. So yeah, is that explained okay, do you think? Well, uh, this is oh, the first we've heard of, so we're learning too. Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, the, the question if I, were having, if I were pitching it, or if I were having it pitched to me, sort of, you know, in terms of the development team, is does it really add value to the programme? Are you really learning something from those experts that viewer as a whole, sort of, viewer on the street couldn't have sort of worked out for themselves? If the answer is yes, if there's something fascinating that they're telling you, then have them. If it's not, then, then go without, I guess. Yeah, it's what, I guess it's what the purpose is. Does it add a purpose to it? Does it add something extra? Um, what have been the main challenges about making this show? Do you want to go first? Or the biggest challenge? Well, do you know, one thing I was just um, thinking of as, as we watched it, actually, is um, certainly when we first, um, so, well, when we first moved to Riggs, I think, as you mentioned, first in the pilot, it was actually filmed by 
um, humans holding a camera. Um, and so now then we move to rig, but actually the children move really fast. <laughs> don't they? And I mean, I think I'm not in the gallery, so it's not really my challenge. So the cameraman couldn't keep up. Yeah, and it's like it's a real challenge for the gallery, isn't it? I think it's a bit of a shock when people first. Well, it, because a lot of um, rig shows, of Channel Four sorts of rig shows, happen in quite static uh, precincts, environments, hospitals, or 24 hours in police custody. It's a show that I love, and the rig works supremely well there. But it's in a you know it's in a room this size, and it's with adults who aren't moving. Four-year-olds, it turns out, run quite quickly and quite randomly. Um, so for the poor hothead operators who nine months of the year are, you know, just on the top shot of 24 hours in A&E bed to suddenly be following four-year-olds around the playground, that's, that's a genuine challenge. You know, we want to see, you know, they just, they all have such wonderful faces, don't you? You just always want to be in a lovely, beautiful close-up of those faces. Um, that's quite hard technically to, to achieve. But then I also like that it changes TV grammar a bit, i.e., um, so with the interview with um, Ella, mm -hmm. she asked, can I jump? And she jumped, and she jumped up out of camera shot, so technically you'd go, oh, we want to see her. But actually you didn't care, did you? Because you wanted to see her, you know, she was having fun, and that was her. Yeah, and it's the spirit of the children that you're getting. Isn't it? And, and you forgive anything if you kind of see them enjoying themselves or yeah, be, being human. Uh, any other questions? Good luck tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> oh, we've got a couple more. I'll just hear first, and then we'll come back to you. I'm just wondering, what's the ratio between um, in filming for the activities versus the interviews, and where do they come in the schedule? You know, do you react to them quite quickly, or do they come a specific part in the day? And obviously, dealing with children and animals, as they always say, don't do it. <laughs> but obviously, how do you do you react to the mood? Or have you kind of found a perfect time to? To capture the moments with them. Good so. question. Thank you. Um, so we, so during our main filming week, the majority of what we do is film in the nursery. Um, and out of fairness to the children, we try not to pull them out for interviews too much because actually, if they're playing with their friends in the garden, they don't really want to talk to me or or even you. I mean, so it's sort of we do do some interviews as we kind of go along, and so, sort of particularly with the four-year-olds who who don't who just don't remember a day later, let alone a few weeks later. We will, you know, at lunchtime or at a convenient point, at a genuine sort of break in the day, at toilet time or so, we, we might sort of do an interview with them. But we don't do that much then. We tend to, the, our edits are about sort of nine or ten weeks long. We tend to invite the children back around week five or six to do master interviews. Um, we normally have about 400 questions at that point. Their concentration span is about five minutes, so we have to pick quite quite carefully. And they tend to just talk about what they want to talk about anyway. So that, that is a slight challenge. Um, but yeah, so the majority of what we do is during our main filming week is 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 nursery and a, a combination of the free play stuff and the tasks and activities. Very good, thank you very much. And um, we have a question down here. Um, I was just wondering um, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, do the children's mums and dads like have to approve what goes on screen? Ultimately, editorial control in the UK always lies with the broadcaster. Um, Ofcom sort of demand that and, and I think actually in, in terms of sort of freedom of the press in terms of us not handing too much control and that in, in access docs over to institutions it's it's fantastic that in this country it works like that um, and that is the case in this in this show as well it, it has to be um, however given the age of the children given that they're very young and they are uh, are vulnerable we work really really closely with sort of mums and dads every day at the start of the day they will drop kids off at the nursery. We give them a briefing as to exactly what we're going to film. 
um, and they have the opportunity to, to opt out their children if they think that there's anything that, that um, little Daniel or little Amy wouldn't enjoy. And then at the end of the day, we do sort of a full update um, of Amy and her team sort of call uh, up every sort of mum and dad and kind of go, this is what we sort of filmed today. Um, did everything go okay when sort of, you know, little Daniel kind of came home? Um, at the end of the offline edit, uh, or just before the end of the offline edit, parents will see the film. Um, and if they have any concerns, we will talk those concerns through with them. Um, and as, as I think I said earlier, we've never had significant concerns, but often there are sort of mild concerns and we do listen to those and Channel 4 are very good at listening to those as well. And would you ever film with a child if the parents didn't want filming? No. Right. No, I think short answer. Oh, no, no. not sorry. Uh, if if but, the parents want, didn't want to be filmed themselves. Um, we would consider it. I mean, I think if I think if there was ever a good reason, uh, and there have been occasions where, it, because perhaps Dad's job, there was somebody who worked in Cheltenham, something to do with government. Couldn't tell us exactly what it was, but he couldn't be on camera. So we. Um, I think we can guess. Yeah. yeah. So that sounded quite interesting. Um, so we would look at that, and I think again, if there were welfare issues, if there were concerns about sort of you know, identifying location or something like that, then we would look at that. So it's, it's that, yes, it's, it's not an absolute kind of no. And there are also cases where parents have just been uh, not keen to do it, but kind of grandma or uncle or, or just unavailable to do it. Um, so we would look at um, if, if, they, if the child really wants to do it, we'd look at ways of making that happen. Great. Did you remember your other yeah, question? Oh, good. Um, uh, you know that the cameras are rigged all around the, the nursery and the garden. Um, has there ever been a case where, um, I, I don't know if they're like specifically aware of where the cameras are, but has there ever been a case where someone just like found a camera and like tried to like break the fourth wall almost? Um, the, the children are, the, the cameras aren't hidden in any way. Um, and we sort of on the first, I think it's really important that the children understand the process and are comfortable with it. So we show them what the cameras kind of look like um, and sort of, you know, where they are, they're not hidden sort of anywhere. Um, so they've never found one inadvertently because they've sort of known where they are in, in the first place. Um, they, we've never had one broken, I don't think. There's quite a lot they're of sort of leering into like them like at times, but, oh, okay. Ned's get, got, gets called in a few times. So there's some sticky fingers. Yeah, taking apart the camera again. <laughs> in your run, turn it back on. Um, yeah, they're quite, I think day one is like the day where they just yeah. sort of, you know, discover them and explore them a bit. And that's all fine. That's all part of it really, isn't it? Um, we've got time for one more question. We've got another question. I'm just wondering um, how many people it takes to film like an episode or even produce a whole series. Like how big is your production team? Okay, so who's in the production team? So if we break it down, so I think the total number at its peak is sort of around 50 or 60. Not everybody's working on it the whole time. In, in Amy's family liaison team this year, we've got um, including you six or seven. seven. Yeah, seven. Um, who, yeah, who all sort of work to cast to kind of go through those 5,000 applications and, and then support the family through the process. There's a series producer, there's a producer director, there's a tasks team, there's a science uh, specialist who will sort of work with the scientists. Um, so that's the kind of the core team who are kind of on it from now or, or starting the, over the next few weeks. Then suddenly at the, at the point of, and of course, sorry, there is, I so you would shoot me for this, there's production. Um, it's a classic editorial mistake. <laughs> um, I did so well. Um, production manager, production executive, production coordinator. 
And then suddenly it, it, it mushrooms when we kind of come to the rig. So we have set builders and production designers. There's the gallery team who operate the kind of the cameras. Um, and then obviously the editing team sort of come on post-production. So the total is sort of around 50 or 60 to make it. What's been the overall highlight of working on a show like this? What are the highlights? From both of you, you could both come up with one each. It's really good fun. I mean, definitely, like, it's a great way to spend, you know, my last however many summers has been spent doing, and it, it, I mean, it is sometimes absolutely ridiculous, some of the things we're doing, you know, setting up some of the games and trying them out knocking ourselves, down the games, knocking yeah. down <clears throat> some of the games that are taking seven hours to set up. So that, I don't know if any of you watched the Autumn series, but there was a domino tower, um, <laughs> which was an intricate piece of work um, that, a 17-year-old who was the UK champion domino tower builder had come in overnight to build. And the executive producer on the show gave a very stern um, morning briefing saying that anybody who went anywhere near it and knocked it down would be fired immediately. <laughs> be careful of drafts. I gave all the briefing. And of course, I went in and trying to help might have inadvertently knocked one little domino. And it's the sounds of that and there's nothing he can do well <laughs> luckily he puts brakes in it for oh, idiots, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. was that your highlight <laughs> i think as, as well um particularly i mean i stay i build really good relationships with parents so i kind of stay around then i you know hear from one of them and you hear you know like we're saying about emily and alfie you know still great friends now and parents that you know still meet up i think there was a group from two years ago and they've got a whatsapp group and they st still meet up and you go actually these friendships are real they're not just you know for tv you know some of these friendships are brilliant and they're long lasting and they're people that they might never have met otherwise as well that's great um i think it doesn't happen every episode because you know that's just how tv works but occasionally once per a series or once for a couple of years you witness a child go through something which is really momentous for them, which is really life-changing for them. Um, and in the autumn, there was a, a child called Nathan who was very scared of everything. We, we hadn't realised it sort of beforehand, but he was just a very, very fearful child, and he was quite teary, um, playing games in the playground on the sort of the first and second day because they were playing goodies and baddies, and he didn't like baddies, and got very upset, and Kate, had, Kate was brilliant at comforting him. Um, and we had pre-arranged sort of weeks, months before um, a creepy crawly to kind of come in and kind of classic nursery school petting to kind of thing. We'd arrange for a tarantula to sort of to come in later in the week. And we just didn't know how Nathan was going to do. And we talked to mum and dad a lot. Should he be in the room? Should we just, and in the end, they said that let's try him out there. And he was very good at first, but he didn't want anything to do with it. And over about half an hour, and supported by a very good friend called Ralph, he had made there, he eventually let the spider crawl over his hands. And the reaction in his face, just the, it's the first time practically we'd seen him sort of smile, and it's just the relief. And actually, you would captured, but more importantly for him, it was a really life-changing sort of moment. It was him conquering his sort of fearfulness, and um, that was really special for me. Yeah, it was good. I saw that episode. It was very good. Um, I think I think time's run out. Thank you ever so much for uh, coming this evening. Um, thank you very much, Amy and Daniel, as well. Good luck as the series goes out. So the series goes out, starts next Tuesday, episode one. So you can see eight the episode before this, 8 o'clock, channel 4. And the week after this episode goes out. And then you're doing a new series, which starts in... I mean, 
probably we're delivering it at the end of October. Tradition right. has gone out in November. We'll see. Obviously, the um, we'll see what channel schedules do. So yeah. possibly, possibly, possibly look out for it for the end of the year. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you for inviting us.